You are listening to the Feedback Podcast with my homie Back. And welcome to the Feedback Podcast, everybody. My name is Back. Thank you for tuning in. I really appreciate it. This is episode number 198, almost 200, almost. Uh, uh, as you know, I've been focusing on com- comedy. Uh, go back to the archive. I just had a great interview with uh, Brandon Lewin from uh, Big Laugh Comedy. Talk to Marty Clark, talk to uh, Golden Dowling, bunch of people, bunch of local artists, people making shit happen here in Austin, Texas. Uh, but yeah, for this episode, I want to introduce very funny comedian Alden Schaub. Am I saying am I pronouncing this right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for being on, man. I really appreciate it. Sure. No, it's fun. You know, a lot of people will always call me L because really? on Facebook, yeah, I have it as A L Den. Uh huh. As a joke, you know, but then I'm the only one who gets it. So, <laughs> <laughs> look, when, when, when your name becomes a joke, it's it's kind of. <laughs> Sorry, well, my my mom was complaining all the time. She's like Alden, you know, when you try to get a job, all these uh, employers are going to get on your Facebook and they're going to find that you, you know, are doing silly stuff all the time. So I took my name, you know, Alden, and I just put A period L period Den as a, as like a pen name. And now really hard to find it so i consider that a success you know (laughs) well what what is the worst pronunciation of your name you ever heard oh alden uh you know i do a lot of yeah alden you know i hear like uh, alvin uh part of that's the southern it's just not a common name here in texas so you know i just live with it yeah i can't say that i know a whole lot of aldens out there i'm trying to think now you're the only one yeah you're the only one well when i was in um Oh, I went to one of these organic markets, uh, the one up there on Lamar. I can't think of the name of it, but mm-hmm. I had to go do a favor delivery for somebody, and they needed some organic ice cream. And mm-hmm. I saw one of the brands was called Alden Organics. So I was like, he's probably also from Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> so what, where are you from originally? I'm from Traverse City, Michigan. So it's like northern Michigan. Nice. And and what what? But when did you start the whole comment? Well, first of all, there mm-hmm. like. I've been sorry. I'm going. I'm going jumping around here, but like, there's like these two stories, uh, like origin stories of comedians. Like, as far as the commonplace ones, you have the oh, I'm from a big family, and I want attention, and I've you know, I'm the the youngest of a bunch of siblings, and nobody paid attention to me. So being funny was like my way to express myself. And then there's the, you know, the sad clown syndrome when you had a horrible upbringing and comedy is like a therapy to you. Those are like the two that I know. But what what was yours? I, I would say mine is a little different. Um, I have trouble communicating with people about the things I think are interesting, uh, which are usually sort of mundane or dumb, you know. And so I found that if I was really funny, people would want to talk to me more because I, I do really like people. But then when I would kind of steer into the topics I liked, they'd be like, just, you know, the lights would go off. And so like I found what? that if I, well, like I really like sauerkraut, for instance. And, sauerkraut? Uh, sauerkraut, you know, like the shredded cabbage that's like uh, fermented. Yeah. So you're 12 years old and you want to talk about sauerkraut at recess and people are like, Alden, what the hell is wrong with you? Yeah. They're like, what is this? Like, what are you, <laughs> you know, like. I don't know why, what that is. I don't know why you care about it. You're stupid, you know? And I'd be like, well, 
oh, that hurts, you know? So you're like, well, maybe if I tell some jokes, people will want to be more interested in what I have to say. You know? so that, that became a better way of talking to people. You know? That's too, okay. That's that's the third one. That's that's totally. <laughs> I never. Know. I want to talk well, about I sauerkraut. Mean, that's that's the shit. I don't know. I just take an interest in unusual things, I guess. And then, so what I find interesting, like I studied economics in school. Uh-huh. Most people would find that pretty boring, unless that's something they're interested in. Right. So I just came to realize at some point that most people I talk to just don't care about that. You know, it, to me, it's personally interesting. But then, so if I want to talk to somebody about just to see what they're up to. You know, it's not going to come up because, you know, what's interesting to them is not that, you know, so it's easier for me to figure out, oh, you know, they're interested in whatever cars or something. So then I'll make a joke. And then that's it. That's the easier way to build rapport than like, let me tell you about fiat currency. You know, they're like, oh, God. <laughs> you know what? We would have we would have gotten along as, as kids. I really think because it's like. The ability to talk about anything and everything, because when, when you're around dudes, and, and well, mostly dudes, I would say, like, uh, it's the same shit. Talk about girls, talk about cars, talk about sports. Sure. I care about the girls part, but the other stuff, I'm like, eh, not necessarily, it doesn't have to be deep, but the ability to just take something mundane and make it interesting is the skill in, of, in and of itself. Right. Sure. Well, like, I just really like people. I like, like, I talk to people at the gas station. I'll talk to people at the grocery store, you know, just well, whoever. I just like talking to people, but they're often not interested in what I'm interested in. So it's just like, I view it as a courtesy. Like, if I want to talk to somebody, you know, then I got to see what they're up to. And that's okay. And that makes, you know, I learned a lot that way too, because oftentimes they'll talk about something. I don't know anything about it. Mm-hmm. I'll just be like, I'll just ask, oh, well, you know, what, what's that all about? And, you know, they'll, they'll tell you. And I don't say, like, pretend I know anything about it. Usually I don't. Mm-hmm. I'll be like, oh, yeah, I don't know anything about cricket. You know, what's, what's up? They got a flat bat? Oh, yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> you know? And then they'll tell you about it. And then you're like, well, now. So then it helps me write trivia, too. You know, I'll learn about something I never heard of before. When, it, when did the comedy thing really click for you? How old were you? Uh, well, I was always funny. I always liked to tell jokes, probably when I, even when I was in, like, grade school just uh you know being a cut up and stuff and um yeah i don't know I, well I, I used to read mad magazine all the time that was sort of ah, my thing thank yeah. you yeah like i'll tell you i got this i was going to show you for the cool things uh my girlfriend got this for me for my birthday the big uh mad magazine book here so nice mad 60 of, years yeah. yeah i used to read them every month and then i had actually went to a comic shop and i bought like a huge box of uh like mad magazines, like from the seventies. And I was reading that when I was like 15 and I didn't really get all the jokes, but I was sort of like, okay, somebody thinks this is funny. Like they're talking about Nixon or something. I'm like, well, I don't really know the context of what this is all about, but they're sort of acting like he's an absurd individual. So there's something funny there and I'm just not understanding it. Then I would be like, well, why is this funny? And then, so I would sort of just figure it out, you know, and I'd be sort of, I don't know, building up an ability to understand comedy, I guess. Did you watch that TV too? Oh, yeah. Thank you. I watched that one more than I watched Saturday Night Live, actually. You know what? You're the first person that I've talked to that that feels the same way. Mad TV over SNL any day. I've actually gone back. It's on HBO Max. I I went back and saw that season one. 
just sure. to watch all the because I think they pushed the envelope way more than SNL did. Maybe early early SNL with Richard Pryor and uh, Chevy Chase was like cutting edge, but Mad TV just took it. You know, they really pushed it, and that's I, I always love that Mad TV. Wow. Yeah, I got some of their DVDs from the library. You can get them and like. Man, when uh, when Will when uh, Will Sasso used to impersonate people, I always thought it was so funny because like he's he's so fat, you know, and he doesn't look like any of the characters. But then he sort of does look like like when he did Bill Clinton, uh-huh. it was like, oh man, he really captured him. Or, or he'd do um, like uh, Kenny Rogers. Kenny Rogers, yeah, oh, Steven Seagal. Like uh, he did, it was Kenny was Rogers Edgar. Jackass. It was one of my favorites. <laughs> Wait, is that the one where he's trying to like do some carp not carpentry? Yeah, something like that. And well, he has he's got like, that one. He's at he keeps cutting his fingers. Injured. Yeah, I forget what his name is. That's Will Sasso also. But. Yeah, that's right. So he that's does a right. sketch with the guys from Jackass, and he's dressed up like Kenny Rogers, and they're like doing a Jackass like sketch. That one was pretty funny. Yeah, I remember that. But like from him, like him and Debra, Debra Wilson is fucking mm. brilliant. And Nicole Sullivan, uh, Mo Collins, uh, Michael McDonald, all those guys. Phil Lamar, like these are these are people that like they had so many characters, and they were just funny. Like you wanted to, like I, I, I wish I had a crush on Nicole Sullivan and Deborah Wilson. Oh yeah, <laughs> to be honest with you, I was like these these girls, like just like I, I wish I could just hang out with them. But wow, yeah, Mad TV was the shit. Go back; it's on HBO Max, man. You can, I mean, you have, if you have the DVDs, you're fine. But uh, yeah, all the seasons are on HBO Max. Well, and I took a sketch writing class at Cold Town, and uh, I was watching the Mad Mag or the Mad TV over again. And like, they're all character driven, mm-hmm. where like some other sketches are concept driven. They were mostly characters, not always, but that was sort of the way they did it. So I was thinking, when I make my own sketches, like I've never really done characters. So I was like, well, what what could I do as a character? And so then I've started to kind of develop it a little bit, but mm-hmm. it's hard to make a fully character like that so what made you want to jump into uh improv well i they had an intern program over at the cold town so you could either take uh sketch writing or you could take improv 101 it, right. as an intern you got a discount you know? oh so, nice nice how long did you do that for i just did the one class so it was like eight weeks and so you learned how to write sketches and then from there you went okay now i'm going to try well, I just started making YouTube videos of sketches, basically. Oh. So I did uh, like 30 uh, like one-person sketches that were just me. And then I did – now I've started to do two-person sketches. So I'll, 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 what I've been doing is I'll watch another comedian's set, and I'll look at what they're doing, and I'll say, okay, how can I take one of their premises and turn it into like a sketch? Mm-hmm. And then I'll write it out, and I'll go to the comedian. And I'll say, well, here's a sketch idea I've got based on your – premise what do you think you want to do a sketch and sometimes they'll be like yeah i, I kind of like it but you know maybe we could do this and then then we'll then i'll just film it with them so that's pretty fun you know still on youtube somewhere yeah it's just called they're called boredom busters boredom i just thought busters and it was yeah, they're more okay oh they're more boring than being bored is kind of the point you know <laughs> but it, was it like it, it was you and a bunch of people or just you at the time well, I just started out as just me. So I would just like come up with an idea. Like um, I had a premise, like they say, you know, watch pot never boils. So I'd be like, well, does it? 
you know? So then I would just, I filmed myself watching a pot come to boil, you know, and I was just drinking beer. And then in the end, I'm like, well, you just can't, you know, believe everything here because it did boil at the end. <laughs> so like, it was so dumb, you know, but like, <laughs> it fucking works, man. It's... I was like, all right. So then uh, also uh, <clears throat> I made one. I like to cook with my Instapot a lot. Uh-huh. So I was showing people how to make ice in the Instapot. You know. How does that um, work? Well, it doesn't, you know. Oh, but like, <laughs> but that I, was the I, problem. So, see, this is how dumb I am. Like, I really at the ass. Wait, hold on, ice in the Instapot? That doesn't add up. Well, see, actually, it does. So that was a huge problem with the sketch because, again, not everybody. Well, nobody knows that it can't do it. So, like, it can make yogurt, it can make rice, it can right. make beans. You know, it can steam, it can do all this stuff. So when I tell people it can make ice, they're like. Yeah, I guess, you know, so then I made the video in a way I thought would be a joke. But the problem is people didn't understand that it's not possible. So I was just like, well, you know, you put the water in and then you put it on cryo mode, you know, and then you just like <laughs> come back in five minutes. And then, so then I pull out an ice cube, you know, because I put it in the freezer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pull it out. But then so people were like, well, why is this funny? Like, so what? You make ice in your ice in your spot. Who gives a shit? You know, and I was like. Well, I mean, it's impossible. So, like, right, like, so the you don't get of, the fucking joke because you can't do it. It's, it's a joke. But so then that made the movie, or it made my video, like, not work. Like, people were not un- able to understand the premise. So then, even though to me it's just like wildly hilarious, but like, people, like, even friends of mine who are chefs, they'd watch it and they'd be like, I didn't know it could do that. And I'd be like, oh. So, <laughs> <laughs> it was like too esoteric, you know, and like, so then even I, so, uh, you know, Ty Wynn, he had the uh, comedian home movie show over at the Santa Cruz theater. Uh-huh. So I, that was the video I submitted for that show. So the deal is you show the video and then you do some stand up after and people are watching it and live again, they're not laughing because they don't realize you can't do that with the Instapot. So like, <laughs> then I was explaining that I cooked the whole chicken in the Instapot, you know? And then I asked him, do you think that's possible? And they don't know. So again, it's like people know what an Instapot is, but they don't know what it can, can and cannot do. So I got beyond their ability to like understand the joke, kind of. So it was a problem. I don't. I sure don't. I don't have one. I have one of those air fryer things. Yeah, yeah. So like everybody, people know what an air fryer is. Okay, you t- say air fryer, but if they've never used one before, they don't know. Could you make deep fried ice cubes? Maybe. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I mean, I've seen, uh, you know, fried ice cream before. Maybe, maybe. No you shit. Do that, you know? like, so, I mean, it's like there's too much information available. So, like, one of the problems I have is, is the thing relatable? I need to start out with that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, do they understand the premise? Sometimes the answer is no. And I have to rewrite it. Like, it's, you know, this is something you got to do. So when did the jump to stand up happen then to Well so I've been hosting trivia for a while. Um, okay. I think I'm about 9 years of doing that. So uh I used to do it in, in Michigan and I've been doing it down here in Austin. And uh I wanted to run it as a business, you know. So I hired hosts. Mm-hmm. I would run shows. Just hated it. And I was Nine like years? Well yeah, so I had done it for 7 years as just a host, right? Yeah. When I transitioned into running it as a business, I couldn't stand it. And I was like, why? You know, what is a thing that I really like doing now I don't like doing. Because there's money involved here. now, yeah. 
Well, yeah. And so I sort of always considered myself an entrepreneur, but then I did a bunch of writing and stuff and I realized I'm actually a creative type and I don't know why that never dawned on me. So I like trivia for the performing. I do not like it because it makes money. You know what I mean? Gotcha. So then I was like, well, then what other things could I do performance wise instead of trying to do business things? So I thought, well, stand up, I guess, is similar to trivia. Maybe I can get some of the fulfillment I get out of that with comedy. But then I also had to think, man, comedy is a thing that is a sort of a gamble. I mean, there's no guarantee of success. You know, of course, yeah. One, the price of success in comedy is not whether or not you can be good at it. I think a lot of people probably could. Mm-hmm. Can you go for 10 years without making money and really put all your all into it and at the end not know if it's even going to work out? You know, a lot of people don't like that level of uncertainty. Yeah. And I just sat down and said, well, I can handle that. I mean, that's not a problem. So I'm just going to do it. I mean, do, you have a, do you have a day job? Well, I still do trivia, you know, a couple of days a week, and that makes a little bit of money. And then I was doing favor, and now I'm working for a friend of mine um, just remotely. So sort of, you know, I'm mostly just doing comedy, uh, which is but fun. The, I mean, But the the, 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 the trivia thing, uh, well, first of all, what, is it like kind of geeks who drink kind of thing where it's it, it's different theme all the time? Yeah, well, geeks who drink are my bitter rivals. You know, I uh, I run on it. <laughs> I've, interv- I've interviewed the host of Geeks Who Drink uh, on this podcast a couple yeah, of years so <laughs> they have a They have a lot of those shows in town. You know, there's probably 10 or 12 uh, Geeks Who Drink shows. So mine is just an independent one. Yeah. Uh, I just call it Unknown Trivia. And uh, I host it on Mondays at the Barton Springs Saloon and Tuesday at the Lucky Duck. So, and I just... Uh, you know, I write my own questions and I have my own uh, PA and my own computer and then I just do the shows and then I get paid. So is it a, like a, like tell me like one of the themes that you had on your, on your Oh, trip? I don't, I don't really have themes. I just uh, write them random. So all, every oh, week shit. is different. Okay. Every week is different. So it's, it's for the casual player. You know, you can walk into my, one of my shows and just start playing. So it's going to be about math and history and science and sauerkraut in there. Somewhere. Often, so sauerkraut is sometimes too obscure. I could say to them, what is sauerkraut made out of? People might know that. But beyond that, it's just like you have to keep it within the realm of general knowledge. Wow. So you got to know a lot of random shit or you, you, you just you have to do a lot of research for that? Oh, yeah. So like I'm always looking for trivia questions. Like the other day, uh, Tina and I, my girlfriend there, we went out to, to brunch at this dim sum place. Mm-hmm. He goes, uh, my friend said that dim sum means uh, brunch. And I go, well, is that true? You know, turns out it's not. So like, that could be a great trivia question. True or false? Is, does dim sum mean brunch? You know, mm-hmm. people might, may or may not know. So then, you know, you got to find out. How many pixels in an inch? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a good one. I think it's 72. It was a thing well, so, we used to throw around at work with my coworker. We used to, we'd just walk into the office and be like, back, how many pixels in an inch? 72. See, now, if I was going to use that one, what I would do is there's tiebreakers at the end that involve estimating. So I would use that as an estimator. Yeah, because so like, yeah, there's no way to tell. I mean, there's no way to tell. It, well, it, some people know, but. Look, I'm, I'm bad with measurements, period. If you told me this is an inch, I'd be like, yeah, that looks, that, that looks about right. Probably I have right. no fucking clue. 
But it's one of those. I, I like I like the uh, uh, just random random knowledge. I think is interesting. Not not as in because you know some people do it for. Uh, oh yeah, I want to. It's great to break the ice at a cocktail party or to impress a girl, and and you tell her that you know kangaroos have three vaginas or not kangaroos. Yeah, kangaroos have three vaginas. Uh, oh, cool. Is it is it kangaroos? Are you taking notes? Yeah, I might use that one. <laughs> Well, I had a good one last night. So, um, like, everybody knows what a sundial is, right? Yeah. Okay, but then if you have your sundial and you're setting it up, which direction do you have to point the thing? That, like, you know, it's called a gagamon or something. Which direction do you have to point the, uh, how you call that thing? The pointer or whatever. There's yeah. A, there's a technical North, name. I guess? Yeah, so it has to point north. So right. that was the question. So, so most people got that one right. Some uh-huh. people put east or something. But then also I found out if it's in the southern hemisphere, still north because it's the way the, the earth rotates. It doesn't matter. Right. You know, where toilets will flush different based on the hemisphere. Let me ask you, do, do you ever, I mean, you, you, based on what you're telling me, you seem like the kind of guy who would get lost by going to rabbit holes. Well, so I have to be careful of that because like, so what I'll do when I'm writing a set of questions, I'll give myself uh-huh. two two hours, and I'll I'll break it up into two hour one hour segments. So my thing is, if you're getting below, like if I'm spending ten minutes on a question, it's too complicated for mm-hmm. for a layman of the thing. Like I want I want it to be accessible to somebody who is like a casual. Like let's say somebody reads the New York Times or something, and that that's the level of information I want them at. Like I don't want a question that's or like an expert in the field. I want somebody who's like has some knowledge of the thing. Sure, sure, sure. Like like economics, for instance. If I ask somebody about the Federal Reserve, they know what that is. But then once you start getting deeper and deeper into it, it's too it's too um, specific to that. Right, but 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 just you personally. I'm not talking about like preparing for for uh, for trivia. Just you personally, oh. like just seeking knowledge. Like you said, you you probably know more about sauerkraut than anybody else. Sure. Well, I just, so I read a lot. I mean, I mean, getting like I, I do this thing sometimes, and I, I spend more time I think on YouTube than anything else, hmm. and it, it's actually the number one search engine. It's bigger than Google. It's bigger than Yahoo. Any of those? Like YouTube is the best search engine, and so I'll think of something random. Uh, like the other day, I was. Um. Oh yeah, the Tom and Jerry movie came out. Oh yeah, right. And I was like, uh, and I watched some of it, and it, eh, I don't like that kind of live action type shit. The, the only movie that's done it right, I think, is Roger Rabbit, and oh, and Space Jam, the first one. Mm. I don't know about the second one yet because it's not out yet. But anyway, point is, I'm thinking, oh yeah, Tom and Jerry, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna show Tom and Jerry to my son, and he loved it, and then I started thinking. I wonder, I want to know about the history of Hanna-Barbera who came up with Tom and Jerry, like in the forties or some shit. And I started watching all these documentaries about Hanna-Barbera on YouTube. And then from there, I went into, uh, I was a big fan of Cartoon Network growing up because that's how I learned most of my English because we had it in France. And I was like, yeah, I wonder what happened to Cartoon Network. And I just dove into that. And it, and it, that was like a three-hour uh, rabbit hole that I got into. And it started off from Tom and Jerry. 
Has that ever happened to you? Now that like, oh yeah, I'm somebody who seeks knowledge a lot. That's why. That's why I'm asking. Constantly. Okay, so I'll give you the progression. <laughs> yeah. So like, uh, to use the sauerkraut as an example. So yeah. like, I was reading a book where they say that your brain is affected by your microbiome of your gut. Okay. So that was the thing. So. Oh, okay. I didn't know anything about that. I was like, okay, if that's true, then how do I like build up my microbiome, whatever? And they're like, well, you can take supplements. So uh-huh. then I started taking these supplements, and then. Somebody told me like, well, really, if you want to do it right, you got to get the live supplements. And I was like, okay. So I went to the store and looked at that and they were kind of expensive. And I was like, well, I'm not going to spend all this money, you know, on these supplements. So then what are some other options? And someone said, well, you can eat yogurt. You know, yogurt's got probiotics in it. I go, okay. So I'm uh-huh. eating yogurt, you know, and I, you know, I'm like, well, I don't know. I feel about the same. And then, so then, uh, I changed my diet up. I started uh, going on this uh, slow carb diet. So there's not a lot of dairy on it. Right. I was like, well, what am I going to do you know, for probiotics? And uh, one of the things you can eat on there is sauerkraut, which I like, of course. So I'm getting cans of sauerkraut and I'm eating it. you know. And then, uh, but then I read in there that the canned sauerkraut doesn't have the probiotics because it's pasteurized. You know? Oh. Yeah. So I'm like, well, that, you know, I'm not getting those probiotics, you know? So then, I actually started making my own. So like I got a jar and I'm like fermenting it at my house. So like you're making sauerkraut at your house. Yeah. So then, you know, that's how, so it's like, you know, I got a jar and like, so like, that's how, when I explain it to somebody, like I'm making my own sauerkraut, like no part of that to them is logical. Like there's no part of that that makes sense. I've like, never heard you know. anybody make their own sauerkraut. Yeah, and I, I can't say that. I can't say that I'm a fan either. Like I've had sauerkraut on, you know, hot dog, like bratwurst, yeah. as I pronounce it. Yeah, put it on there, yeah. and that's it. But that's to make it at okay, home, okay. How do you really make it? Easy. It's easy. Oh, it's super easy. Okay, so yeah, yeah. You get like a big jar, you know. Like I got a 64 ounce jar, and then uh-huh. I got a food processor. So you take the cabbage and you just shred it, so it's little, and then you just start mashing it into the jar, and then you just put kosher salt in it. And then, so as you mash the cabbage, the juice kind of builds up. Uh-huh. But then once, once the cabbage and the salt is below the level of the juice, you just like, you're done. And then you just like put the lid on and it's got a chamber lock, like a brewer's uh, lock for fermenting or brewing. Yeah. And then you just let it out. You just let it sit for like a month. And so then uh, over that time, it like, uh, you know, ferments. So then at the end, it's got like the probiotic culture in there. It's sort of like making kombucha in a way. It's like fermented. You know? Holy shit. So it's like, good. I, I mean, I like it. probably tuned out by now, but I don't care. <laughs> no, but I mean, but I, so like it's, to me, it's really interesting. Cause I was like, well, can I do it? And then I looked and again, I got on YouTube and this guy was just like, Hey, make your own sauerkraut. And I was like, that doesn't look that hard. Uh-huh. And it's not. So then when I explained to people like it's sitting out in a, for a month and not refrigerated and then I'm going to eat it. They always go, well, did you shit yourself? And I'm like, well, no, I mean, just salt. I mean, salt and cabbage are, salt is a preservative. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Is so, it working though for the probiotics? Do you feel a difference? You know, I have no idea. I mean, I feel pretty healthy, but I mean, I eat it like uh, every couple of days and it's pretty good. I mean, I'll have like some pork and a little sauerkraut on there and maybe a little mustard. And I don't know. I mean, this, and then again, I'm not a scientist, so it's hard for me to say like, <laughs> you know, Am I a superhuman now? I doubt it. I I mean, look, man, if you get superpowers from sauerkraut, I think people would know. Well, <laughs> I suppose it would be getting around at some point, you know, but I feel healthy, I guess. I haven't noticed any, any side effects. You know. 
holy shit, this is a look, man. You just blew my mind. I've never anybody makes a crowd at home. Yeah, usually but, you plant weed or you have sure. your garden in the backyard. But sauerkraut, holy shit. Well, but, one of the jokes I like to make about myself is that they, you know, like a hipster uh-huh. is, a, is a person. So I'm like the hipster's hipster. Like people look at me, hipsters would look at me and go, well, what's that guy up to? Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess like, what? I, would you like some sausage? <laughs> I got just the thing to go with it. Yeah, well, I said I was making, I, like a hipster has to do something that's unusual, right? Yeah. yeah. They, they, they take pride. But then I said, well, if I just eat sauerkraut, that's not unusual enough, right? As part of the joke, I've got to take it one level, one level further. I got to invent an activity because that way nobody can copy it. You know, you, you know I, I think, and this is, this is a true belief that whatever you're into, whatever you're into, there's a, there's a Facebook group, there's a website, there's oh, yeah. a meetup group, there's a Twitter space, a clubhouse there's a community of folks who, who actually just do the same thing. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a sauerkraut festival or a sauerkraut convention. There's I'm a, sure there, there is. You know. There's a potato convention already. It comes to Austin once a year. And sauerkraut is not that far-fetched. So there's probably a sauerkraut festival out there. Well, and, I and you got to go. Okay. Yeah, if I find it, I will totally go. But like, also, I think when I go to the HEB, they sell it, right? So I can't be the only one buying it. So it must be going somewhere. Yeah. But you just don't see them every day. I guess it's not probably a fast moving item, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I think is funny to me is for, for comedy is like compulsions, you know. So I have this joke where um, I drive around until I find a birdhouse and then I observe the birds and I, I document that. And then I go home and I make a replica of the eggs. And then I go back, I drive back, and I put them in the birdhouse. I say, I, what do, I don't know, what do you think the birds think about that? I don't care. I just have to do it. So I try to be unusual, you know? I had to invent my own activities. So that's like the idea. Like, you're not, you're not <laughs> weird enough. Hobbies, you got to keep going. Like. <laughs> it is some hobbies, Alden. No offense. <laughs> but no, if you're I, making sauerkraut and you're putting eggs in nests that nobody yeah. asks for, well, no, I mean, that's the kind of thing that you end up doing if you're trying to get, like, way off, you know, and it's just like, you know, I don't know. It's it, Like you say, you're seeking out an activity. You just sort of follow it to its conclusion. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, you, you, you do follow through all the way, but get to where you're driving for an hour, find a nest, look at <laughs> and, and go up there and say, well, the, the, the eggs are this color. Let me go back home. Let me go to HEB first, get some eggs, put them in right. the fridge. And then find the right color so, so I can actually, you know, trick the bird when I bring it back, drive all the way back, put it in a nest when the bird is not there because you have to wait for that. And then just put it there delicately <clears throat> and wait for a reaction. Hmm. That's, Do you that's, wait for a reaction? For the- <laughs> well, that's just that's part. That's just the joke, you know. Now, I know. That's I know. Just, but I'm, yeah. I'm just I'm just. But that's that's the idea of like a, a hipster would look at that and say that was unusual. You know? <laughs> That's so cool, man. I think it's funny. Well, like, I got this joke I'm working on. Uh-huh. It's about chewing, you know. So, like, the, uh, the, the idea of chewing is below people's interest in even thinking about generally. So, to me, that's ripe for humor right there. Right, so, right. Like, so, I, this, this actually happened. I was driving in my car, and I was eating a bag of chips. Like, you know, corn chips that come in that paper bag? 
Mm-hmm. These are like, and then so I was eating them, and then I get and I bit something hard, and I thought, oh, that's probably like a burnt chip or something. But it turns out it was a staple. Okay, so that was a surprise to me. Then I was like, okay, how can I make this into a joke? Okay, because it's like none of that is important or like controversial or anything. It's just like super mundane. Okay, so mm-hmm. I got that as the base, and I was like, thank God for chewing, right? You know, I was eating these chips, and I bit into this. And it was a staple. And I just thought, you know, as a guy my size, sometimes I'm just shoveling in the food. So I don't chew as much as I probably should. And I thought, man, I probably have swallowed like how many staples? You know, not zero. You know, <laughs> then I'll be like, just, just remember to chew, you know. So like that whole thing, none of that's necessary at all to like exist or so to me, that's so funny. Like, I don't, I don't know why. But. No, look, this, it's the, uh, take something simple and trying to squeeze as much funny out of it as possible. You know, I, I, the, one of the, the best openings of a standup special I've ever heard was uh, Louis CK's hilarious. And he starts off by saying, I'm going to butcher it, but fuck it. He starts off by saying, hello, everybody. And by everybody, I mean, you guys, because most people are not here. And he goes, most people are in China. Actually, most people are dead. There's more people dead than there's people here. And, and then he goes and says, Hitler and, and Ray Charles, the only thing they have in common is the fact that they're dead. Hitler killed a lot of Jews. Ray Charles, nah, not his thing. And that's, that's the opening of his special for 10 minutes straight. And 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 at the end he goes, I don't know how to start a show. <laughs> and it's so brilliant because he starts off by saying hello everybody. And then from there he stretches, ends up talking about Hitler and Ray Charles and, and Jews and all that. So it, I, I I get the take something simple and just squeeze the funny out the shit of funny out of it. And it it, it works. I, I I think it works, but th- there's a there's a there's a method to it, and it, it's interesting to see how far you can take it, you know. But th- did you start off doing that when you when you first started? Well, I was just telling stories of things that were unusual that happened to me in my life when I first mm-hmm. started. So I, <clears throat> you know, like I worked at a ski resort, and I would tell what that's all about. But then I was finding out that people weren't really laughing that much. Like the story itself had a level of absurdity to it, but. Mm-hmm. I wasn't getting laughs, you know. So I was like, "Well, what's going on with that?" So then, really, what helped me is I started writing one-liners. Um, so then now I kind of understand more the functionality of what you need to have for a joke. Like, you know, stand-up is really a specific type of communication. Right. So you have to have the punch, and you have to have the setup, and you have to have that part of it. So, sort of what I'm working on now is taking the story part that I like and putting one-liners on top of it. Um, so like I have a, like I listened to your, um, one with Dean you just did where he got to be the prisoner in, um, Walker, Texas Ranger. Yeah. So I actually, I got to do that too. Um, I got to be cast as a, as a patron at the strip club in one of the episodes. Oh, in so, the CW? Yeah. The, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. So anyways, so that was an interesting experience. So I started out with that. Okay. I got to live my dream strip club patron number five, you know? Like that part's kind of funny, but then I had to write one-liners on top of it. So I was like, I just literally sat down with a sheet of paper and I was like, 
strippers. Like, what's funny about strippers? And I was like, <clears throat> strippers make great girlfriends. Well, most people would disagree with that, you know. So I say, strippers make good girlfriends if you're a drug dealer, you know. So then that became, okay, I got that. And then, so I'm trying to build the story with the one-liners, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I told you, say, I, I, um, I told, I don't know if you were there that night at the Romo Room where I told a story by the time I got punched in the face by, uh, <laughs> by the French hooker. They did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that was my first time actually telling the story. I, was, I mean, yeah, I, I guess you, you were there, but you know, I, I thought about it. I have all these stories of shit that I've done, shit that I experienced. And I'm like, okay, I, it, it's not about just telling the stories, finding those, those funny points, I guess that you can insert here and there. So people are like, Oh, this is captivating, but there's also some funny things that there's some funny moments in it. Like you exaggerate yeah. some of the stuff or you throw a punchline in there. Well, one thing I noticed is uh, when I do this story now, um, one of the tips I got from a book was not to tell it in the chronological order that it happened, do it by topic. So if you're going to talk about getting punched in the face by a French prostitute, you know, instead of being like, I went in the room and then we negotiated the price and then she told me to take my pants off. Like there's mm -hmm. like not a surprise in there. Start out with like, what do you think about women working as prostitutes? And then, you know, so do it more like topically. So like, in the stripper story I tell, I say, you know, how did I get cast as the person? You know, I just sent a picture of my face. Mm -hmm. And they said, look at this guy. He looks like a degenerate. Get him in here. Like, so that's sort of the first topic. And then the next topic is like the acting part, I, which I am not an actor. So then how did that part go? And then, so it's like, instead of like, this is what happened. It's like, here are the bullet points. Like telling it, telling it in chunks. <laughs> And then to yeah. put it all together and then just, and then big laugh, hopefully. If you tell a funny story to somebody, it doesn't necessarily have to go in the order which with the events happen. You just want yeah, to get to true. the funny part. Yeah. Movies don't do it. And I, I, I like movies that, that, that gives you little bits and pieces of the plot. And then it kind of all wraps together at the end. You're like, oh, okay, I get it now. I like that kind of, I like that kind of stuff because it, it makes you think, okay, where is this going? Sure. You see what I mean? I mean, you can you can build it. You know, there's some great storyteller comics out there. You know, Big J is, is huge. You know, the, Dave Chappelle is a great storyteller. Uh, but th th there's an art to it. And and I, that was my first time really trying to tell a story. Um, and I'm going to, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work on that one because I, I, I think it's funny. So. Well, so that to me, like if I was to write that story, you have an entertaining story. Absolutely. It was very interesting. I enjoyed, I enjoyed listening to it and I laughed a couple of times. So then the hard part is taking that part of it, which is good. And then also getting the laughs. You know? Right. That's where you've got to have like, you got to take the story and rewrite the parts of it into the format of standup. Actually, yep. Are you absolutely right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's right. easier said than done. Because like, oh yeah, it's going. It's my first time. It's going to take me some time to get it down, but I will because I love that story. I have more that 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 I want to try out. But uh, th that that was great. That was good practice to me. Do, do you always? So let me. Ask, I mean, based on what we've been talking about, you seem yeah. to analyze comedy a lot. Well, I think about it a lot. I'm just like, <clears throat> like what's going to make people laugh is is. Um, it's sort of a specific, I guess. Mm -hmm. One, two, with stand-up, what's nice is, like, you'll record your set, and you can see where they laughed 
And then right. you can say, okay, how can I get there a little faster? Like I have this joke about how I spent a lot of time analyzing fart sounds over the weekend because I needed them for the roast battle. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, then someone told me I needed a lady's fart. So I typed in all these search terms for ladies fart. And like that part of it, there was no laughter when I listened back to it. The part where people laughed was when I said Brazilian fart fetish. That's, and so then I listened to it. I'm like, okay, that's where people think it's funny. How can I get, how can I cut out like the first 45 seconds of that? Cause it's not necessary. Right. And then, so that's like, I had a joke. It was, um, Are you going to tell sales. all your jokes on it? <laughs> oh, I just, well, see that thing is, I don't care about the jokes. The jokes themselves are not important to me right now at yeah. my level of skill. It's the function. Like, do I understand why they work or not? Right, 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 right. Yeah, I I appreciate that. Okay. Yeah. So, like, I had a three-minute set about how I – about sales. And so I was talking about cold calling. And it was Mm -hmm. like – I had a minute on cold calling. Now it's two sentences. Have you ever done cold calling before? Good way to find out if you're suicidal. Like, that's it. Got the Fed. Boom, boom. Yep. That's it. Yeah. So then – but that's that's a time-consuming thing. So now I have that part of it I know that works. And then, okay, where do I go from there? Then I go into the pawn shop, you know, I don't, and I'm selling the easiest thing in the world, you know, handguns at a pawn shop. Mm-hmm. Texas. Then I, but then when I go into that part, again, there's like a lot that needs to go because I'll, I'll listen back to it and I'll be like, the idea of me wrapping the gun in the U.S. Constitution for the customer, to me, is funny. But when I listen back to it, people aren't laughing at that part. But they do laugh when, they, when the guy refuses and says, I'm going to wear it out. Like, I'm going to wear the gun out. So I don't mm-hmm. need it to be wrapped. That part they laugh at. So then it's like, well, do I cut out the wrapping part completely? Because then the other part doesn't make sense. Like, so I maybe I'll try it where I just say, well, you need a bag? And he's like, no, I'm going to wear it out. That'd actually be a faster way to do it. No, that makes perfect sense. I, I was talking to uh, Ozzy. Mm-hmm. I shout out to Ozzy Moon. Um, and he, he was telling me, he's like, he's like, yo, back, you're, you're, you're funny. But you need you gotta you gotta cut the fat because I it, it I get on I used to get uncomfortable with silence. Me too. And he told me he's like, look, man, just sometimes it's better not to say anything and let the let the crowd react to that than try to fill it with us and oh what else or whatever or try to or, or try to even explain yourself. Like uh, either a, a, a explain the joke or the joke becomes too wordy and you're you're stuttering. So if you if if you got to be confident enough to where whatever comes out of your mouth is either leading up to funny or is just funny. Mm-hmm. Leading up, to, sorry, leading up to a laugh or just funny and people laugh. So. Well- I absolutely did that too. Like I was, I was just, I would talk over my own laughter. Yeah. So I've I've sort of started to think of it like thirds, like two thirds is the joke and a third is you just not talking. Let them process the joke. And sometimes you're just sitting there to absolute silence and you're like, but then my urge is to talk again, but I go, no, I'm just going to let people marinate in it. And like, that's okay because you do need time to process it a little bit. So then you know, like I told a joke about uh, I was driving down the street and I saw a sign for Motel 6 and they said they got Wi-Fi. And I'm like, they don't care about clean sheets or they don't care about, you know, whatever. And I just stopped talking. Not one laugh. OK. And I just kept not talking. And I was like, 
great. That's not a joke. Okay, now I go on to the next one. Exactly. No, you're absolutely right. And that, that's what uh, that's what Ozzy told me. He's like, let it breathe and don't. Just because you have four minutes doesn't mean you have to talk for four minutes. <laughs> right. The whole yeah, point. it's almost like if you have four minutes, you should be talking for three of the minutes, and one a minute should be them allowing them to laugh. Hopefully. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. So, are you? Um, um, so, how how long have you been doing this total, actively? Oh, so um, I'm gonna hit 200 open mics this week. I guess I, I keep them on a spreadsheet. Oh, you 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 count in open mics. Yeah, you don't count so in, in time, right? Well, I got the time listed there too. I don't know. I, I probably have a. I don't know what's 200 times five or something. Like, I don't know, a couple hours maybe. Wait, 200 minutes? Well, some of the what? sets are like four minutes or six minutes. So I say five minutes times 200. That's a thousand uh, minutes. Thousand. How many hours? Is that? I don't know. That's a thousand hours. Whatever that is in days, I, I can't do math right now. But that, <laughs> but when? What? How long ago did you start? I guess is my question. Oh, so. I probably started like six months before the quarantine and then I obviously took the quarantine off and then I've been going pretty hard since then. Once things started to open up. Oh, okay. So cool. Maybe a year and a half, I guess. But, uh, you know, like I've been doing that trivia for nine years. So then. Yeah. You have the public speaking thing down. Oh yeah. Like I have some of the abilities of a stand up. you know, I'm pretty comfortable up there and I charisma or whatever you want to call it. That part <laughs> I've got okay. But then, the timing and, and building up material is, is what I'm doing now because like I didn't have any material when I do a trivia show. It's all improv. You just talk. Like, right, right, right. So, but I, you know, and then writing one-liners. I mean, I do that every day now. So that helps. I mean, Does it, um, and you, you host too, right? You host the, the one downtown. Yeah. So I've been uh, hosting a lot lately. Like, so I thought at one time, maybe I would uh, start my own open mic. But now I'm realizing that maybe what I could do is uh, be everybody's backup host. So, like, if somebody gets booked on a show, they need somebody to fill in, they're not going to fill in. But, like, yeah. I'm doing every other week at the San Jack Saloon, and then I'm doing, I'm helping uh, Anthony with the Shakespeare show on Fridays. And then if somebody needs me to fill in, I just show up, you know, so. Yeah, because, yeah, uh, you know, I, you listened to the to Dean's episode, and it was, it was saying that uh, hosting is a different, one, it's a different set of skills. But it also a door opener. Like it, it opens up a whole lot of opportunities sure. being a host. Well, the host skill, the hosting set is is completely different. Like my job as the host is to support the comics, but that also means I need to control the or understand the emotional temperature of the room. So right, right. I'm seeing when that comic went up, did the crowd like that? Did they not like that? And then when I go up there to be in between, am I? What am I going to say? I want to be like. Wow, that guy sucked. Like, no, that's not very. That's not going to help me. That's not going to help. You can say that. If he no, sucked, no. he sucked. <laughs> no, but I would say I wouldn't say it like that. I'd be oh, just yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I'd be like, ooh, you know, like, oh man, all right, you know, if you didn't like that guy, you might like this guy because he's exactly the opposite or something. To like get the people, and also I feel like as the host, my job is to be the most enthusiastic person there. Like, I want people to have a good time. And if I want them to have a good time, I got to have you having a good time because they'll see that's happening. So I'm out there and I'm maybe I'm not as animated as some of the other hosts, but they can always tell I'm having fun and I like them and I'm putting that out there. And I'm just like, there's no place I'd rather be right now than, than doing this. And I'm having just a fantastic evening and we're going to have fun. 
and you know it's gonna be great and like people are like yeah you know because because i do feel that way you know that is what i want to be doing like i want to be doing open mic and i i want people to laugh and i want to laugh you know so like that's the job of the host the comic set can be whatever it is their emotional state can be bitter or it could be you know sarcastic but as the host i don't feel that's appropriate you've got to be like you know hey you know we're we're doing comedy tonight guys what do you think about that come on up close bring your friends have a drink dip your bartenders <laughs> like it's party time guys All exactly right? we're having fun you know but you got to mean it too you can't just say the words like i feel like it's almost like you're broadcasting your happiness out you know you've got to like Yep, I totally agree. I, I I used to say that about DJs. I've had a I, I've interviewed a lot of DJs over the years, and I I know a lot of DJs here in Austin. And I'm like, you know, to me, if I look at it, if I'm at a bar, at a club, or at a party, and, and I look at the DJ, and he's just like looking down at his records, just spinning, doing his thing. I don't care what kind of tricks he does. I don't care if he's mixing well. I don't care if the selection is 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 good or bad. But if he doesn't have a smile on his face, doesn't look like he's having a good time, I'm not having a good time. Well, there's a reason for that. You know, uh, part of the way our brains are wired is there's this stuff called mirror neurons in your brain. Oh, cool. I'm about to learn some shit. Trivia. Let's go. Yeah, so like when you look at somebody, <laughs> when you look at somebody's face and they look at your face, you're mirroring what they're thinking, you know? Uh-huh. So like that's part of the way we as a species keep track of what's happening. In the, like we're not holding the entire plot of what's of reality in our own brains. We're actually getting part of it from the other humans we interact with. Mm-hmm. So like that's why when you put somebody in solitary confinement, it's so damaging because they're not getting the feedback of what's happening in the world. And so they slowly lose the plot of reality, literally. So then you as the comedian or host, when they are looking at your face, they're seeing it. Are you having fun? You know, and then they're they're like, oh, he's having fun. I'm having fun. It's almost like you can't help yourself, you know. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a it's a human thing to to connect. I was I was reading this. I forgot. I was I was talking to a friend of mine, and she was having issues with a, uh, you know, basically managing a business, right? Yeah. The work the work is never the hard part. Is dealing with a bunch of people. And mm-hmm. their personalities, their background, their beliefs, and blah, 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 their moods, you know. And you never know what someone's going through, right? Uh, and she was telling me, like, I don't understand because I'm, I'm talking to these people. And I'm, I'm trying to tell them, like, basically how to do their, how to do their job. And I'm, what I'm saying makes sense. But they're not getting it. And the first question I asked her was, how did you tell them? Because you're just telling me verbatim what you told them, which makes perfect sense. Yeah, you know, we're we're on the same boat. We're all a team here, blah, blah, blah. We got to work together. But if you say that with like a frown on your face and your tone doesn't match or it doesn't it it, it doesn't uh, it doesn't connect, then it doesn't matter what you're saying. I forgot what the remember what that ratio was like. It's like 10 percent what you say, 20 percent how you say it. What what, what was the ratio? I think 80% body language and the rest is the verbal and then the face is, is in there. But like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, when I walk into a room, um, right, I don't have to say anything. People can just see it on my face and the way I hold my, carry myself. I like you. That's just coming out of me like, like a neon. You're a likable guy. I got to say, Alden. Yeah. I've, I've, I, 
from the first time I met you, I think it was at. I think it was over at Mr. Tramps. Oh, was it Mr. Tramps? Yeah, I think so. Oh, that's right. That's right. You were one of the people who encouraged me to do the, uh, you know, the FBIA, you know. Yes, you were sitting next to me. And I say, well, I don't know if I've been doing it long enough. You're like, ah, who cares? Nothing anyways. (laughs) That is right. Holy shit. I forgot about that night. That I remember now. Yeah, but that part of my personality is not an act. I really do like people. And so I just have to, I just go around and I'm like, hey, what's going on? Like, uh, but already people are like, I don't have to say it. It's just evident, you know. So that's easy for me. I mean, and and again, that wasn't a thing that I learned how to do. I mean, I'm just wired that way, you know. Yeah, exactly. You you, you have it or you don't. There's people who walk around with a frown on their face all day and you don't want to talk to them. You really don't. They could learn how to mitigate that a little bit, but some people just don't like people. And it's really evident when you look at their face, the vocabulary they use, the way they carry themselves. And then you look at some people. I mean, I'm one of those people. I just walk up and people will just like come up and talk to me. And I'm just like, and, I, and I'm like, good. And I like to talk to them. And so like, I'm like going around saying, hey, what are you up to? I think it's interesting. Let's, let's have a chit chat. And, and then that's what happens. I mean, my, my girlfriend, Tina, is like that too. Well, I, I was about to ask, like, does it get, <laughs> on from her perspective, does it get exhausting? <laughs> Not really, like, you know. She's actually got more friends than I do. You know, she'll walk up and, and start talking to anybody, and they're just like best friends right away. And uh-huh. She has the same, the same affliction I have, where people just like her, and she likes people. And, uh, well, I don't know uh, what it is. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking in terms of like you're, you're like you were saying earlier, the, the weird topics or the weird things you want to talk about, but nobody else does. Mm-hmm. And like you're, you, you, I don't know, you're, you had dinner with with uh, uh, with your girlfriend, and you're like, oh the I don't understand what, what's up with the shape of a fork. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, fuck, here we go again. <laughs> <laughs> what I'll try why to do, do forks is... have, have four, have four little spiky things. And what is that? Why, why not two? Cause two would be more efficient, blah, blah, blah. And then does it get exhausting to her? I try not to use up all of our time with my, you know, thinking <laughs> what I'll do is I'll, I'll make a note to myself, you know, <laughs> like why do ducks have webbed feet and crows don't or something. And then I'll just like, I'll use that for my research time, you know. That, that I can totally see how that can be exhausting for his for a significant other. Like, oh, here we go. He's he's in the joke writing mode, or he's looking for some stuff, and I'm just oh, trying yeah. to eat. <laughs> well, I'm like, I try to do that part. I try not to use up all of our time doing those kinds of things, but it does happen occasionally because obviously a lot of humor is drawn from the things that you do. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So we'll see this like. She saw a guy, <clears throat> we, were, we were driving downtown, and Tina saw a guy with a chicken on his shoulder, you know. Oh, yeah. Why not? <laughs> I was like, so I got to think about that. What You know, then obviously that's fodder for comedy. I, mean, I had, a, I had a, a deep conversation. Anyway, well, it wasn't deep. It was more, I, I get on rants, especially if I'm high. And English is my third language. So I'm, to this day, I'm still learning words. English words or expressions. I mean, I've been in this country 23 years and I'm still learning shit. And we were, uh, we were at dinner. Um, and, uh, a friend of mine said, Oh, uh, we're going to do this or I'm just going to call audible and then we're going to do something else. And I'm like, call a what? 
<laughs> I never heard that shit before. What, what do you mean audible? Audible to me is either the Amazon thing to listen to books or it means listen from like audio. That, that's where the, the, the word comes from. And he, and he tried to explain to me that audible means change of plans. Yeah. And I'm like, in what language? And he goes, well, in, in football, like, first of all, I don't even watch football. Well, the American football. And I, I really started questioning the term audible for 30 minutes straight. They did not want to have that conversation at all. They, just, they were just trying to brush up like that. You just fucking fucking French. Just shut up. Just that's what it means. Like, just leave it alone. I'm like, no, no, no. It makes no sense. Even in, in football terms, it's weird. Cause oh, it, it, I know why it's called an audible, you know? Why? So like, so in the question? huddle, yeah, mm-hmm. in the huddle, they made their um, play, you know, okay. Then they go up to the line and they're going to start the play. Uh-huh. And the quarterback, he looks around at the defense and he realizes that they're not in a configuration that he likes. But then while they're standing there, he will call out a play verbally to the players. So they call it an audible play. So he's like, yelling it out basically see none the of them side. said that oh. <laughs> none of my friends they probably don't the you, know okay the way <laughs> you explain it to me right now is in he just talks to his teammates and they listen and they know we're changing and right. so and he's calling it out he's calling it audibly changing it so. that see nobody all they said was just look it's just football i'm like look that that expression never graduated outside of football i've never heard this shit before you don't go uh, oh, we're going to have a burger. Audible. Oh, no, we're going to have pizza. It doesn't work that way. Like, I've never heard that shit before. And, and none of them explain it as clearly and succinctly as you just did. So well, I kept arguing can't. with them for 30 minutes about the fucking word. They must have had a failure to communicate there, you know. I just wow. said. But now I got to ask you, do you know where that's from as a, as a phrase? You know? What? The term failure to communicate. No. Well, I oh, mean, okay. it makes sense. But it's a quote from a movie, so. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I'm learning uh, so much right now. Go ahead. Yeah, in the film Cool Hand Luke, you know, they would, uh, he was a guy who was in prison, and the warden kept saying, we're having a failure to communicate, and then he would, like, punish the guy, you know. So there's another idiom that if you are unfamiliar with the English language, someone might say it to you, and you'd be like, Okay, we had a failure to communicate, but then there's a second meaning there that it's actually a quote from something. So, like, there's all those problems too with languages. Like, yeah, well, and, and I, I, I thought about one term that that made that made it out of the basketball realm was just touchdown. Sure. And I said people use the word touchdown when they score something. You score a deal, like you 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 close a you close a sale, you close a deal. When people say touchdown and they go, they all went, nobody's ever said touchdown when it closed the deal. I'm like, I worked for Best Buy for two years. And every time we close, we sold an MSN or AOL subscription, we screen touchdown to the, to the entire, in the entire store. And I'm like, no, that's never happened. Nobody says touchdown when it closes, when it closes. I'm like, well, regardless, you can, you, you can still say, uh, oh, I'm on the plane. I'm I, I'm going to touch down in Atlanta. I'm going to touch down. People get that. Um, sure. But Audible never made it out. Well, what did they say when they landed a spaceship on the moon? Though? They touched touch down, down on the moon? They yeah, touched down? down. Yeah. All right, there you go. <laughs> so, seriously, it was a 30-minute argument about these stupid words. <laughs> and you're like, back, just let it go. It's but there again, <clears throat> you got to think too, okay, so those people you're talking to, 
they have just uh, taken on that as a piece of information. So they've never actually considered it themselves. Why does it be? Why is it that way? They don't know or care. They just know if you're going to change the play, it means audible in football, and I'm going to use it in this context. Mm-hmm. They don't really care to analyze it below that. So for me, that's where the humor is, like the chewing thing. Yeah, people chew. They chew every day. They never really thought about it at all. So to me, that's below the level of human analysis. Uh-huh. And that's that's to me where the absurdity is right there. You know, that's my style crowd moment. <laughs> right. But like most people, they're like, "Why would you eat that? Why would you make that?" You know. So then, but that's not even a thing. So like, I'm finding the sauerkraut thing is is a little too absurd. You know. Yeah, but yeah. I have found a lot of success with finding coins on the ground. That's been like sort of my signature jokes lately because uh-huh. it's just like so mundane, just like bordering on a compulsion, you know. <laughs> so I find it really funny. Like I made a film today. It's a it's a POV of me looking over my gut, so you just see my gut, okay? And then I look forward a little bit, and there's a dime on the ground. Uh-huh. It's like ten seconds, and I just think it's so funny. But it's just like. So idiotic also, you know what I mean? You know, what's, what's interesting is that um, I've talked to comics. I've heard comics say, hey, when, you, when you're writing, you have, to, you have to write in terms of what you think is funny, not in terms of what you think other people, what other people think is funny. Sure. You know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and so, it, you know, you, you can tell when someone is, it's trying hard and doesn't it doesn't sound authentic because it's just trying to get laughs from the audience and it's not it doesn't it doesn't seem genuine it's almost out of character sometimes right but if you think if you come from the premise of well i think this is funny right if you don't think this is funny fuck you first of all but second if you're not laughing then either something wrong with you or i haven't done my job right so i'm going to go back and rework it or whatever but i think there's something here that's funny to me and it should be funny to you it's that's important to make that distinction like have you ever heard the distinction between a comic and a comedian oh no interesting go ahead so this is something i heard from an interview with jerry seinfeld but he would say a comic is a person who tells a good joke that's functionally correct and it's funny so for instance i have a joke about a three-legged dog and then what do you call that? And then what do you call a five-legged dog? So like functionally, that joke is correct. It's a comedic joke. It mm-hmm. works. Okay. But then when you transition into being a comedian, you're taking that good structure and you're tying it into your personal perspective or your opinions or life in some way. So that's different. Like that becomes a, t- a matter of taste. That's what you think is funny. So you can go through your whole um, career being a comic and that's good that'll you'll get you know laughs and stuff but like to transition over to be a comedian yeah it has to be very personal so and that's really i think that's where yeah, i no, think that the gold is so like when you told your story about getting punched by the by the french lady there you know okay that's oh, what it is yeah. <laughs> that that's where the real gold is because that's a story only you know and only you can tell it and it's only your experience so like I could tell some hooker story, but I can't tell that hooker story because it has certain things about it that are unique to you. And that, and that, right, right, right. so that could be something that could become a very, uh, you know, that's like a comedian's joke. So. I have to figure this one out, man. I really, <laughs> well, that's I- why a lot of my jokes are kind of, 
I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to start out with the personalization first. I don't want it to be hack. And then I'll try to make it funnier as I go. Where are the jokes? So like I found a penny on the ground and you know, what's all that about? To me, there's something funny in there about that. Most people don't even bother collecting coins anymore. So like already I've got something that people aren't doing. Like mm -hmm. when something comes up in the news about whatever, you know, Joe Biden's up to whatever. Like I don't even listen to the news. That's not going to go into my jokes at all. It's not something. Yeah, I was going to ask about. you if you keep up with like current events and stuff, and you put that in your. Don't I don't listen to the news. I don't listen to any of that. I don't watch it. Um, I just listen to some podcasts once in a while. And I read, and I'll uh, I listen to vaporwave in the car because, uh -huh. like, I think of it this way too. You know, everybody's hearing the same news, and they're trying to write the same jokes about the same thing. And exactly. So if, you, if you're going to be a divergent person in your writing, you actually should be divergent in your activities because that's how you draw the like. You're not being cluttered up by the same things everybody else is doing. Now, there's a problem there with relate. See, my struggle is relatability. Mm -hmm. I'm doing stuff that's like bizarre sometimes. So then it's like people wouldn't even think to do it or they can't. Like, I was writing jokes about space farts. Okay. <laughs> so, like, you know, and the people are like, okay, what's he going to talk about farting in space? It smells bad. But I was like, no, it's a real problem. Okay. Because it's actually half methane and half hydrogen and it's flammable. So my theory is we got to only send single women to space because you know, they don't fart. So like, <laughs> so I'm starting off with something that's just like so stupid, you know, space farts. What are we going to do with that? Like, you know. uh, who, who do you think is the, the king of doing that mundane stuff, observation, well, I think, I mean, obviously, Jerry Seinfeld is probably the king of, of that. Like, all, everything that he would write is just like, there's no stakes involved. You know, it's a personal annoyance of his. And even if it goes one way or the other, there's really no, it doesn't matter. Like, uh -huh. he sort of is like a, I don't know, like a happy nihilist or something. Like, he uh, he accepts the absurdity of existence, but it does he doesn't let it get him down, you know? He just, like, mm -hmm. keeps going, like, you know, that's like my joke about change I'm writing recently. I said, when I, people ask me why I'm so happy. And I say, if I, if I told you, you wouldn't understand it. You know, change, change is the key. I find a lot of delight in finding loose change on the ground. And uh, if you can figure that out, you can have a really great life. But until then, I, you know, I don't want to tell you. And they go, well, that's stupid. That, how can you take delight in finding coins on the ground? I'm like, I don't know, but you know, when I find one, I'm just like, oh man, oh. the endorphins, you know, they're going. <laughs> like, so like, I don't know, I don't know why, but that to me is like, so then people, when I do those kinds of jokes, they feel my delight about it for whatever reason, and they're like, what does he know that I don't about this? You know, it's coins. Like, who gives a shit? I'm like, yeah, it's coins. Man. It's coins. <laughs> what? Yeah, you found a penny. Who gives a shit? I'm like, oh yeah, but I, like, I found it. You know, on the ground. And it's, it's free money. And they're like, I don't know. You, you think it's funny? I guess it's great. I don't know. What what a weird guy, you know? I'm like, yeah, all right, you get it. Man, you should you should should chronicle your days just looking at this tiny little little things, like a, a day in the life of Alden. That'd be interesting sure. to watch. It would be uh, it'd be dishwater dull for most of it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> say, look, oh, okay, he's he's standing at his sauerkraut now and then uh what's next oh look you found a penny on the ground look how happy he is 
Yeah, it's just like I found a nickel the other day. Uh, like I wrote a joke the other day about a nickel I found in the in the dryer. You know, I said uh, the I found a nickel in the dryer. I got five cents off, and the washer also took five cents out of my clothes. You know, so like that's a dad joke. You know, that's not very good. But I sure enjoyed writing it. I was like, ah, you know, that's pretty good. <laughs> Yeah, I, I started off a set the other day uh, at the Wanderlust and I hadn't tried it. Because I, when I first started, I had this long bit about my name because I'm like, okay, I got to introduce myself. You know, when people introduce me, go, oh, ladies and gentlemen, back. And they go, wait, what, what, what did he say his name was? So I, I always felt like I had to justify it. Like yeah. that would be the first joke that, that, that I would write and explain that, yeah, I get the, the jokes. Uh, I'm a... And then, uh, and it was, it was a long bit and sometimes it worked. Sometimes it didn't. I, I, I think it was, it was too stretched out. I remember and that then, part. Yeah, exactly. I, I can't, I got to do this. It, it, yeah. It was about how, um, uh, I met a dude named Chris and I was pissed off because Chris was the most common name ever. And Chris, there's Asian Chris, black Chris, white Chris, there's uh, uh, but there's no uh, American Indian Chris because Christopher Columbus killed that shit off <laughs> quickly. You know? yeah. So it was something like that, but it was the long thing about my name. And then the other day I went up and I said, hi, my name is back. I am the a living and breathing dad joke. As in like, you know, I'll walk up to somebody, Hey, I'm back. And they go, Oh my, I'm front shit like that. And I was like, I'm just going <laughs> to story of my life. But I, that's the thing. We were talking about cutting the fat. I was like, I, I turned this long thing about me introducing myself and Chris and blah, 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 blah to, yeah, I'm, I'm a walking and talking dad joke every day. That's what I get. But anyway, I, 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 I really, really enjoy the process and it seems like you do too. Uh, well, I just, I think it's fun. I mean, it's, it's a challenge to do something that's good. I mean, now that I have a better idea of what is a, a functionally or structurally sound joke, I can take the stories that I like to tell and I can turn them into the language of stand-up. I think of it that way because mm-hmm. it is a specific way. And so then <clears throat> I can, part of the reason I like the stories too is because it's easier to remember. Yeah, like, I don't know how people remember 50 one-liners. You know what I mean? So like to me, if I can weave the story as the base and then have the one-liners on top of it, I can mm-hmm. have both things. So we'll see. Hopefully that'll be a viable way of doing it. But do, do you keep up with uh, I Actually, you said you don't keep up with current events in your regular life. I actually try to avoid listening to the news, which is strange because I studied economics in school. So I sort of felt like I was doing a disservice to myself. But then I realized that you know, I just don't care about that stuff. Like, I mean, things are going to happen and go on. But like, if it's so important that somebody verbally tells it to me or they give me an audible, Mm-hmm. You know, then I will. Uh, <laughs> audible. <laughs> I got an, I got some audible news here. You know, then then it's important. But other than that, you know, who cares? I mean, you know, and does that make me a little less informed? Absolutely. But uh, you know, I'm you're an uninformed voter, voter, man. Uninformed. I citizen. am. I'm an uninformed human in general. You know, I only want to be informed. But then a lot of the news today is is not information. It's just advertisements. Yeah, it is. It is. I, I, it to me has gotten to a point where, like, I only watch international news. Uh, oh yeah, I listen to the BBC all the time. And oh like, yeah, I mean, I I, yeah. I watch uh, France Twenty Four, and I've talked about this on the on the podcast before. So France Twenty Four is a 
channel out of uh, out of France because it's in the name, but it's in like it's in French, Spanish, English, Arabic, and uh, I'm forgetting one. But anyway, and it's it's live on YouTube twenty four seven, and every every thirty minutes there's a news bulletin. It's only fifteen minutes long, and it tells you what's happening around the world, just the facts, you know. And then in between those, they'll have people debate. They'll have like uh, special shows uh, about you know, what women are doing around the world, what's going on with the economy around the world, like a story about uh, somebody somebody who just died, or let's, let's put, let's take a couple of intellectuals, put them in the room, and then let, let, let them debate what's happening in Syria or whatever. But at least it's, it's to the point. I can't stand the, oh, let's talk for a minute, and then we'll be right back after this break. And uh, commercials come back, like, what did I learn? I don't, I forgot what they were talking about. I mean, they have to fill in, you know, 24 hours of fucking news. It gets it gets redundant after a while. Uh, but it, what's interesting to me is the uh, how you were you were saying earlier the um, because everybody's trying to be funny. Sure. And when something happens, like the joke writes itself, kind of deal. So if if, an, mm-hmm. if a news breaks, like I mean, with Trump, we had plenty of those. You know, and pretty moments like that where everybody had that one line about Kofefe or about uh, the, uh, what's it called? The impeachment or whatever. And it's literally like just copy and paste. And, and you're looking for that one nugget in there. It's like, oh, that guy thinks left. But everybody else is basically writing the same joke with different, with different words. Well, the, the new, if you write topical jokes, they sort of have an expiration date. Exactly. Know? Yeah, that too. Good point. I, I want to write something that's more uh, evergreen, as they call it. Like, yep. The, the same way there's there's hack trivia, and then there's also hack jokes. Uh, with, with like a, if I can write a good joke about collecting coins off the ground, it doesn't <laughs> expire. Sorry, that's still silly. <laughs> still silly as hell to me. Well, and that's it. That's exactly right. The coin joke. Okay, what is it? Great. There's no controversy in there. Yeah. There's no stakes. You know, it's it, even the activity itself is is bordering on useless. You know, it's it's actually probably, I don't know. I mean, I have a big jar of coins now. I guess that's the gains from it and, and the delight I have from collecting them. But like, whatever it is about it that delights me so much, I'm able to put that into the, the crowd. They can just see that it's just like Christmas, you know, for me. I found a penny mm-hmm. on the ground and I don't know why, you know. So then, but that joke will never go bad, essentially. Yeah, 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 exactly. It, it, it's like I'm almost projecting my emotion out of it, just like, and I realize it's absurd, but the absurdity is part of what makes it good. I mean, like now, now I wonder. I want to see. I'd love to to see you do a happy dance when you deliver that joke. Like, what does that look like? What does Alden's happy dance look like? So that could be what I could go into because I've got the structure of the joke down pretty good. Maybe I need to add an act out in there somewhere. You know, yeah. what happens? Yeah. When well, I, when I used I told, to do this thing yeah, where ahead, I would uh, I would I would drop the coin on the ground. I'd be like, here's how you pick up a coin off the ground. And I would drop mm-hmm. it on the ground, but then I would pretend I couldn't get it because I was too heavy. <laughs> so I'd just be grunting and trying to pick up this penny for like a couple of there seconds. There you go. Like, the like, wow, well, you guys know what it looks like. But, you know. Yeah, yeah. The physicality works, man. I mean, I, I'm not. Uh, I don't know if if uh, it'll turn out to be like one of those. You no, know, there's these comics that really rely on that, you know, doing backflips and sure. stuff on stage. Uh, 
But all those things got to be taken into account. Actually, uh, Pat Bernard, after I told that story about the hooker, it was like, and I, and I, I, I told, I talked more about it afterwards to him. And he goes, dude, you should have thrown that in there. Like the dude's a midget. Like you should have been on your knees. <laughs> Little things oh, like that. And, and, and it's, 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 uh, I have this. And I had a talk about that too, that the, the language portion of your brain is higher up in your brain. Yeah. Then the part that reads body language and faces is, is lower. So you're actually able to communicate a deeper type of humor physically than you can verbally. Like That's true. Uh, oh, that makes sense. Like we were discussing, if somebody falls, they trip and fall, and you look and you realize they didn't get hurt, mm-hmm. you laugh. But no language was transmitted. It's just the physical part. Right. So that's the same thing. With the act out, you're, you're broadcasting on a different channel kind of. You know, so you got the, like, verb, I'm pretty strong verbally, so I'm often relying on that. But now I need to get into moving my body more and doing more with my face. Like, I, I bought a, well, that's why I shaved my beard, you know, by the way. I got rid of it, and then I got a mirror so I can make faces for it. I want to see that happy dance, man. I'll just be like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, this. I, I, now I want to see it. I want to see that happy coin dance. I got a coin. I, I don't know. Whatever. Usually I'll do something like, yeah, I found a penny the other day. They'll be like, okay. Like, it was awesome. <laughs> Look how happy I look. Made my day. Started, I, I, I started a, uh, what, what, what I say sometimes when something's so amazing, I go, uh, uh, amazing to me. I'm like, look, you know what? I'm starting a diary. This is my first entry today. Nice. This is this, this how great this moment is. I'm starting a diary. That's it. Entry number one. I just found out what Audible means. <laughs> you just like, spend my day. Like, always go to bed. Always go to bed less stupid every night. That is my goal. That's, that's smarter. That's a good that's way smarter. to go. I think. I mean, well, if you go around pretending you know everything, then you don't need to learn anything. No one will teach you either. You know. Exactly. There's nothing worse than a know-it-all. Somebody, you talk to them and you go, I know that. And I'm like, oh, well, never mind then. Well, like my, my first, so I had done like 15 open mics or something and Mm -hmm. I was contacting comics and being like, Hey, I want to set up some shows and I want to do this and that and I want to pay. And they're just like, yeah, whatever, man. And then now that I've been doing it longer, I'm like, Oh man, there's really a lot to having it be a success and putting up a show or or even just being funny at all. Sure. Being consistent. Like, you know, I can go up there and have something work one time, but then I try to do it the next night and it doesn't work. And so I'm like, well, what happened there? I mean, just, you just have to keep, you know, grinding yeah. it up. And You know, a, a running theme here is uh, that I've had on this podcast is that, you know, it's hard to tell if a joke works when you perform it in front of a room of comics, full of comics, because sure. they've heard your shit before. And unless you've reworked it somehow, and even if you did, it doesn't. It still doesn't have the same effect. Uh, uh, like the the half a nigga pass joke that I had, I've reworked it maybe three or four different ways, and they know the premise, they know where I'm going already, so it, it doesn't have the same effect. But when I did it in front of non comics, it actually it actually worked, and I that was actually that was my my first kill, quote unquote. I mean, to me, and I, there was a girl from Arkansas in the audience and she fucking, she's like, yeah, I'm from Arkansas. And then she knew DMX. I'm like, oh my God, this is awesome. 
I was so I was so excited. But like it, it it's it, it's hard to tell. So when you um but also the relatability thing we talked about. So if I did it in, in front of a crowd that's mostly black folks, would it work the same way as a crowd with white folks or Asians? Absolutely not. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. You have I don't to profile know. the audience, you know? <laughs> huh? I think you have to profile the audience a little bit. Yeah, you, you, you do. But I, I, had a, I had a Charles Adams Jr. on, and he was saying, I don't care who's in the audience. My goal is to make him laugh. You know, of course, you will tweak it a little bit, you know, and sure. kind of read, read the cues. But overall, the joke is there. And so you're not going to have an, in, well, maybe an entire different set. No. Based on who's in the audience. Well, I've been changing up certain details. Like uh, I did a show in Taylor, Texas. So it's mm-hmm. more conservative on average. And then obviously downtown Austin is more liberal. You could you know, make those generalizations. Right. But when I tell my stripper bit in central Austin, I say, actually, the strippers were all men. You know, it was a co-ed strip club in the scene and there was glitter all over the place. Mm-hmm. And then when I tell that joke in Taylor, I usually leave that part out, you know, because they're just like, oh, man, it's a little too, you know, open minded for them. Like, but the core of the joke doesn't change. Right. I got to live my dream. Strip club patron. You know, I got paid to be an extra as a strip club patron. So like uh-huh. that part of the story doesn't need to change. But you can sort of, you know, flavor it a little differently based on who's in the audience. So. It, it's a it's a brain exercise, man. And, it, and it's it's one of the best brain exercises. Well, like I did a show. It was just in somebody's front yard in their driveway. And I was looking around and all the audience members were like kids. They were like 18 to 23. And I was like, you know, they're not going to be interested in my jokes. What I have to say, what do they think is funny? Getting drunk and puking like people times people poop their pants, you know, like juvenile stuff. So I just did like the, the time I got the drunkest was my and they just thought it was the funniest thing, you know, wow, so like. Nice. So like I was like, okay, if I would have done sort of the material I was working on, it wouldn't have worked as well as them just wanting to hear something they think is funny, which is like I I puked on the bus when I was working as a ski lift operator, you know, like that to them <laughs> was hear that great. story. <laughs> yeah, well, I used to drink quite heavily when I worked out there in Utah, you know. So on the charter bus that take you to work, they had a bathroom in the back. Uh-huh. So Sometimes when the bus would get shaken, you know, you just want to go back there and hurl. So that's what happened. <laughs> you know, you'd be up all night drinking wild turkey, and then you gotta you gotta get rid of it in the morning. <laughs> oh man! But this 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 is dope, man. This is a really pretty, wow. And, and by the way, I, I have to thank you. Oh. Um, and I, I I told you that in person the other night because you actually stay at open mics to watch everybody go up front row. Well, there's a reason for that too, actually. People don't really agree with me on this, but I, I feel viewing us, I feel viewing five sets is as good as doing a set again, because of the mirror neurons. Right. So I, when I watch somebody up there, if they're good or bad or whatever it is, I sit there and I think, okay, Where's the premise? When I hear it, I start nodding to myself. Okay, I got the premise. Then when they hit the punchline, I think, is that what I would do? Is that good? Is that bad? Did that work? Mm-hmm. And so, like, to me, people are giving me free comedy education. You know, like, yeah. that's what I, 
No, no, look, I, I, I do the same. I, I, and, yeah. and of course, I'm, I'm a fan, so I'm there to support and everything. And I, and I told you, it, it, it's like watching someone else play video games on Twitch. Right. Well, like if you talk to somebody like Tiger Woods or something, they say, well, what do you do to practice? Like why, you know, I go out there and I hit a lot of balls, of course. But then also I visualize it. So me, I think when I see somebody up there doing their jokes, I'm, I'm, I'm imagining I'm up there sort of. And I'm thinking, mm-hmm. well, how would I do it differently? Or if it's really good, what is a way I could have my thing work like that? Or like, did they do a triple there? Did they do a, you know, what, what is the structure of the joke? Or did they do a poll reveal? Like, what is it? So then when I go do my stuff, I'm like, you know, well, some of it's good, some of it's not good. But like, I'm getting more ideas that way, I guess. You know, not to just like, I'm not just going to be like copying someone else's way of doing it. But like, when they do it, you can see what doesn't work. And that's a lot of the battle too, I think. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I, I totally yeah. agree. And then I, I, um, I do the same thing. I, I stay for the, the entire time. I don't care how many, how many comics go up. It, it's, it's a learning experience. And like you said, you take, you know, you learn, you learn from it. You see what's, what works, what doesn't work. And you try to incorporate it in your own uh, writing and your own performance in your way. You're not trying to do what they're doing. Right. Oh yeah. You're, but you're just trying to see, okay, I, okay. He, when he said that, you know, the vo- his voice went up or he, he acted it out this way or, oh, there's the punchline or, mm-hmm. oh, there was a, there was a 30 second silence there and everybody laughed like, oh shit, I gotta, I gotta get, get comfortable with silence. It's, it's things like that that you pick up on just from watching other people. Sure. Well, I think it's important too that like, I don't know. I was listening to Jeff Foxworthy and he had an interview and he said, uh, you know, you should try to be a good steward of comedy in the sense that we're also obviously trying to get better. But what are you doing for comedy? Are you promoting comedy? Are you trying to help it out? Being supportive of the community and stuff? And I just like some people give themselves over to a religion or something. I just tell people I just turn my life over to comedy. I'm just going to do comedy. And like in a way, it's uh, this sort of an abstract idea, but Mm-hmm. By giving it to comedy, like there's a law of reciprocation. I feel like I'm getting things back, you know. It feels yeah. good. Yeah, it so. is. It, it, at the end of the day, we're all in this together. So that's right. That, that's where we're at. All right. So what's your dope shit you want to share? So um, I am really a big fan of the right 10 and exercise through a hot breath. And so what they do is every morning they release a word of the day. So whatever it is, paper or something. And then mm-hmm. you sit down and try to write 10 one-liners in 10 minutes using the word paper. So I've done that for like six months. And I think I've gotten better. Not You don't necessarily use the jokes that you write. But the idea that all these words have multiple meanings. Mm-hmm. So just going through that practice, I think it activates some part of your brain. I don't know. But I, I've noticed I've improved by doing that process. So where, I would really recommend where, where Where do you find it? Oh, so it's on Facebook. There's a group. It's just called Hot Breath, and it's the Hot Breath Writers Room. And then I can, uh, I've invited people on Facebook to join the group. But yeah, they just, uh, they, it's like a, it's like a podcast. And then he, um, uh, Joel Breyers, I think is his name. And they, uh, you know, you just write your, your 10 and then you post your best joke or a couple jokes. And then, um, but more importantly, I think it's the process of writing one liners, you know. Interesting. Uh, the comedy writing room presented by Hot Breath. That's the one. Yeah. So uh, if you're not in there already, I can invite you to that one. And, and yeah, I do it every morning. You know, like I get up, I 
drink my coffee. I do my uh, morning pages exercise, you know, and then I do the right 10. Let me share that real quick. There it is. Yes. That's Mark Norman. Shout out to Mark Norman. Yeah, they did an interview with him on there. Yeah, they do interviews with comics and they do all kinds of stuff. And yeah, I do feel that practice of sitting down because I didn't know how to write one liners, you know, Mm -hmm. six months ago. I was just like, I don't know how to do it. So what I need to do is learn how to do it. So then I just started doing it. Now, I I feel more confident now that when I, you know, want to write some for my stories, I can do it. It's just a matter of, you know, just sitting down and doing it. And a lot of it's junk. I mean, it's like you're panning for gold, you know, a lot, there's a lot of dirt in there, but you get a few little nuggets and then, and then that feels good. Right. Uh, let's see my dope share of the week. Actually, by the time this comes out, it would already happened. Uh, but I urge anybody to go back and watch it. Uh, I'm a big, I'm a big Wu-Tang fan. Mm. I'm the best. I'm the, uh, Godfrey and I have, have a feud going about who's the biggest Wu-Tang fan. And, since what 2016 2017 something like that and uh taught me english that's how big of a fan i am and if you're not familiar there's this versus thing that ha- that goes on on instagram with timberland and twist beats and they put on uh hip-hop artists legends and then they go head to head and then you know track for track and the next one coming up, or the one that, that just happened by the time this comes out, is the Ghostface versus Raekwon uh, yeah. versus, if you're a Wu-Tang fan, you know exactly who I'm talking about. These two are the most prolific Wu-Tang members. Uh, they're on each other's tracks, each, each other's albums. And by, I, when we're recording this, it hasn't happened yet. It's this Saturday at 8 o'clock. But uh, it w- if, you haven't, if you didn't catch it, or I hope you did, Go back and watch it. I'm sure it's going to be dope. Uh, it's going to probably, it's going to be all over. I and mean, people are going to be talking about this one for a long time. And so I look forward to it. And I'm going to watch it again if you listen to this later. Uh, but yeah, the verses, Ghostface versus Raycon. That's my dope shit. All right. So where can people find you? What you got going on? Plugs, showcases, mics, whatever. Sure. So uh, just my Instagram's at the mob shop. And uh, if you guys want to play trivia, I got uh, Monday and Tuesday. You can, I got an Instagram for that. It's just called Unknown Trivia. You can follow that. And then uh, the YouTube videos, uh, they're just sketches. And I'm going to start filming more sketches. So other comics are interested in being in them, you know, come talk to me. And, uh, it's just called Boredom Busters uh, on YouTube. And say they're, they're um, more boring than being bored. You know, that's my goal on there. So. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I also write a blog. Um, about uh, saving money in socially awkward situations. It's called uh, A Sick Desire for Savings. And mm-hmm. on uh, Sick Desire for Savings at Blogspot. And uh, yeah, I just write some stories on there, sort of. Uh, I have like two subscribers. I got my mom and my brother, so that's pretty good. But it's just <laughs> another thing. I mean, I feel, and I've been told, when I listen to the comics that have been in it a long time, mm-hmm. they say you have to do some kind of writing. If you're not doing that, it's, it's not going to work. Like you need to do some kind of writing. And so I took that to heart. I said, I'm just going to write. I don't care if anybody reads it. I just need to be writing a lot because for whatever reason, it, that's part of the process. You know, George Carlin would say that. Seinfeld would say that. I think yep, you write uh, every day. Got to write every day. And like now, I I'm a strong writer at this point. I mean, I was sort of before. I'd write papers and stuff, but now like 
being very clear about the ideas, that comes from writing well. Because when you write well, you have to take your idea and transmit it to the other person. Mm-hmm. Like those friends of yours who didn't, couldn't explain to you what an audible is. Like they're probably <laughs> awful writers. No, they were high too. That's all. <laughs> wow. That could be a part. But like, I mean, it is an art of communication. That's what yeah. we're doing. You know? And so like the very first thing is you have to look out into the crowd. Do they understand your premise? Sometimes the answer is no. You look out and just see a look of confusion. And you have to think, well, they're not going to get the joke. If they don't understand the premise. The premise is uh, that's writing. You have to have that. And then, get the, to the punchline, some kind of surprise. I feel that's from something else. So, but anyways, yeah. So I would encourage people to go out there and do some writing of some kind, you know, whatever it is. <laughs> dope, dope. Um, all right. So as always, make sure you follow the feedback, BAK everywhere on social media. There's a happy dance. <laughs> <laughs> Mine would be like this. Look at that. Um, yeah, follow the feedback everywhere, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook, uh, mostly Instagram. Um, go back to the archive. There's plenty. Uh, the, the list of people that I'm going to be talking to is getting longer and longer and longer. So make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, iTunes. Uh, it's all in there. Uh, go to the feedback.com too. Uh, that's where everything is. Uh, YouTube as well. Uh, I'm posting full ep- episodes on YouTube and I'm probably going to like, I mean, I've been saying that for a while, but like cut up clips and all that stuff and, and share those. It's it's the whole thing. Uh, but anyway, uh, Alden, thank you so much for being on. I really appreciate it. I know I'll see you around and I'll see that happy dance at some point. And when, look, and don't be look, and I, and I tell you this right now, you can come to me anytime with these silly, <laughs> silly topics. I'll be happy to oblige. And talk about whatever. I, could, I Look, I have a lot of questions about sauerkraut, and you answered a lot of them. So anytime, man, come to me. We can talk about whatever. I'm, I'm, I'm open. I love talking about silly shit, uh, and I try to understand things, try to understand this world better every day. So that's what I do. Thank yeah, you so much for being yeah, on. Appreciate the opportunity. It was a good time, though. Yeah, hell yeah. Hell yeah. We'll talk to you next time. Ciao, ciao.